have a Bible tonight, let's open up to the book of Psalms, chapter 70. And, you know, I don't know, you know, what your, your thoughts are going through the Psalms. Uh, to me, there's like a pattern that you see for the most part. They're, they're amazing books. They tell us about Jesus. Um, they tell us about life. And if you find yourself going through struggles, if you find yourself down, uh, the Psalms are a good place to go because David went through a lot. He experienced so much spiritual opposition. And then what, what happened is this. In, in one sense, the pattern is we find ourselves in trouble, like in, in double trouble. Something's going on. We, we fall. So we should fall to our knees. We should pray. When we really pray, I'm not talking about pretenders prayers. But when we really pray, God works, God moves. And then when God works, when you see God work, when you know it's a God work, when you really know it's a God work, you're not like wondering, I wonder if that was the Lord or, or me or them. No, it was a God work. When you pray, you see God work then you worship. You don't just sing songs, you worship, and then you witness. And really, that's what the, the Psalms are. I, I've noticed this. We find ourselves in trouble. Sometimes it's things we bring upon ourselves. Sometimes it's just because we live in a fallen world, and fallen bodies fighting fallen angels, but we find ourselves in trouble. So then we go to, to God in prayer, because that's what the Psalms are. They're prayers. Then God works, you worship, and then we witness. And that's what we're going to see even today. I, I, I think in many ways, you know, when we pray, I, I, I kind of like to think of it this way. Praise, as we pray, it leads to praise. But a lot of times we never even really pray. So I, I encourage you as you read through the Psalms, understand that's what they are. They're, they're prayers. And so notice what we read in Psalm 70. In verse 1, it's to the chief musician, a psalm of David, to bring to remembrance. And verse 1, he says, Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Now, real quick, just in case you notice, this whole psalm is pretty much uh, said verbatim in Psalm 40, verses 13 through 17. So if you read those verses, you see pretty much the exact same thing. So you might wonder, well, why did God say the same thing? You know, why did he do it twice? And like I always tell you guys, it's repeated so we won't be defeated. You know, when we want to make emphasis on something, we repeat it. And so this is something that God says twice. But here we see that basically what David is asking is, God, hurry, make haste, O oh God, to deliver me. Um, and what that means is that right there in that moment in time, he's really hurting or he's really in danger. Have you guys ever been in a situation where it's a pressing, you know, urgent situation? You know, I, I know um, I had one time went to go help someone who was broken down in, in the parking lot of a restaurant. Not that big of a deal. There was another time I got a phone call to help somebody who was broken down in the fast lane on the 10 freeway. 
There, there's a difference, huh? There's a difference between, you know, sometimes there's are situations where you need that immediate help. There's that urgency. You know, like, like Moses, when he was, you know, running from, you know, the, the, the army, so to speak. They were after him. He's got mountains on this side, mountains on this side. He's got the Egyptian army behind him. He's the Red Sea in front of him. It's like an urgent situation. Or Peter, when he's walking on water. And then, you know, he takes his eyes off the Lord, he starts sinking. It's an urgent situation. That's kind of what we see here. David is saying, make haste, O God, to deliver me. Uh, make haste to help me. He was in, apparently in some type of immediate danger. And, you know, that's how we are with the Lord. We, we kind of want it now, huh? And, and so David, in verse 1, he prays kind of for himself. And then in verse 2, he begins to pray for others, but in a different way. Notice what it says, let them be ashamed and confounded who seek my life. Let them be turned back and confused who desire my hurt. Let them be turned back because of their shame who say, aha, aha. Now, now again, it's interesting. I don't know if you have anybody who just wants you to go away, who wants you to fall, who wants you to fail, who's against you. Um, I don't know if you maybe a boss or maybe there's someone that you can identify. David found himself in that situation a lot. And so in verse 1, he prays for himself. But then in, in verse 2 and 3, he kind of prays, for these guys, but in a way where he says, God, get them. Lord, they, they want to hurt me. Lord, they want me to die. And, and, and what he does is he prays against them. Now, I was uh, thinking about this, and I, and I know that, I don't know if you have anyone like that in your life, but um, there's that aspect of just praying that they would you know, get saved or praying that they would get right with God. Um, and sometimes when I think of this, you know, I, I think of Hezekiah, though. You know, because if that person doesn't want to get right, if that person is going to come against you, if that person is going to be divisive, then, Lord, deal with them. Deal with them. If they're going to hurt us, if they want to hurt us, if they want to kill us, then, Lord, deal with them. And, and it's kind of cool. You can do that. You know, uh, it's interesting when uh, the children of Israel were surrounded by 185,000 Assyrians, you know, uh, Hezekiah, he got the threat, what they wanted to do, what they really wanted to do under the influence of the enemy. And he took the threat and he spread it out before the Lord and he just prayed, God, get them. God, deal with them. And it's interesting what we read in 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 20. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, because you have prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. That's interesting. You know, because we normally don't think of it that way. To pray against someone who would try to cause harm. But here we see that Isaiah actually went and said, well, because you prayed... <laughs> The Lord sent one angel and he came and he dealt with the situation and he killed 185,000 uh, Assyrians. And so, you know, here's David um, kind of teaching us how to pray. Pray for himself, pray uh, against those who were trying to cause shame. 
It's interesting in verse 3 where it says, let them be turned back because of their shame who say, aha, aha. Um, and you're like, well, what is that? The Hebrews, and Pastor Chuck was saying this, the Hebrews, the Jews, they didn't have any cuss words. And so this is kind of like the closest thing to, you know, cussing them out. They're cussing me out. Aha, uh-huh, aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so, you know, he prays for himself. He prays against his enemies. And then he prays, notice next, what he says, he says, let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. And, and let those who love your salvation say continually, let God be magnified. You know, and it's, I think David here is trying to include himself in this. Lord, I'm seeking you, you know, and, and that's really important that, you know, when we're, when we're seeking, you know, uh, relief when we're seeking help that we we seek the helper you know that when we're seeking you know the things i guess you could say that the, the gifts that god can give we we seek the giver and that's what he's saying right there you know let all those who seek you and that's the key and i want to encourage you to make sure that you're really seeking the lord himself and not you know a religion or not a system or not a program it's a personal relationship that we have with God. You know, I love John 145. The Bible says that Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, we have found him. And then to me, it's just so cool. We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Jeremiah. You know, and it's just so cool. We're, we're not, again, necessarily seeking a, a, a program or a process but it's a person we're seeking the Lord. And in Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, you guys know the promise, for I know God says the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and, and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And, and so, you know, you might be here today and you're like, well, I really haven't like found God. I really haven't found peace. I really haven't found rest. I really haven't found victory. Well, it, it's not God's fault. It, it's us. We need to seek him. Notice it says with all of our heart. And so when that happens, uh, again, let all those who seek you, he says, rejoice and be glad, you know, the Lord delivered. The Lord answered the prayer. And I was thinking in my own life, and I don't know if you have any situations in your own life, but you really should think these three think things through. What do you really need to bring to the Lord in prayer in which He can move and you can see it? I mean, are we really bringing these things to the Lord? And that way when He answers, um, you know, we rejoice and, and we're glad and... And, and, and we love, notice it says, and let those who love your salvation. And to me, loving salvation is loving my Savior. That not, and we, we, Lord, thank you so much because you've answered this prayer. And, you know, it could be a prodigal child. It could be an unsaved spouse. You know, and you're, and you're, and you're laboring in prayer. You're fasting because the Holy Spirit has led you we're not talking about games when we read the Psalms. 
We're talking about a man who sought the Lord with all his heart. And when you fast and you deny yourself food, your spiritual senses are heightened. Jesus didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. But unfortunately, the church, they don't fast. Why? I don't know. There's something wrong. You don't have to advertise to everybody. But, but between you and the Lord, it, it's important because when you do, then God answers prayer and then you rejoice and you're glad and you just fall in love even more with your Savior who has given you salvation in so many ways. And then there it is again, let God be magnified. It's like, you know, you, you witness. Again, like we're talking about, we're in trouble we pray, God works, we worship, and we witness. And right there where it says that God be magnified is basically, Lord, you're so awesome. You go around telling people, God is so awesome. God is so awesome. God is so amazing. Why? Because you see him work in your life, you know? But he's a lot different than us. Verse 5, but I am poor and needy, and so, Lord, make haste to me, O God. You are my help. And my deliverer, O Lord, do not delay. And so um, we need help, huh? (laughs) We are in need. And I like Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. It, It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so, you know, um, verse 5 is interesting. Again, it kind of goes with verse 1. Oh, Lord, do not delay. And and maybe you're here today and you're thinking the same thing. You know, Lord, I want it to happen now. But, But understand that sometimes, you know, God does delay for his purposes. For example, when Hannah wanted to have a child, she was barren. And the Lord didn't give her a child immediately. And so she finally came to a place because of the delay where she said, Lord, okay, if you do give me a child, I'll give him back to you. And God said, okay, now I can answer your prayer. Or, you know, we want it now, but, you know, if Abraham would have had a son when he was younger, it wouldn't have been so clear that that was a miracle. And so the Lord waited until he was 100 years old. So, you know, for us, it's time. For God, it's timing. And so we might ask him, Lord, hurry up, (laughs) make haste. But in his perfect timing, God's going to do a beautiful work in your life. Okay, so Psalm 71 is an interesting psalm. It's pretty much a psalm that talks about how uh, we, we get older. And I'm thinking about this. I'm like, Lord, am I old? How many of you guys think I'm old? You guys are nice, man. I think I'm, I'm actually old now. I'm 52. I mean, I'm getting there. It's, all the young people are in the, the room over there, and they would say, oh, yeah, you're old. <laughs> he, he, but this is a cool psalm. In Psalm 71, In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline your ear to me and save me. Now, it doesn't say it's a psalm of David, but I, I have a hunch that it is. 
And when you look at this psalm, uh, we're going to see the same pattern. Trouble, prayer, God works, we worship, and, and we witness. We're going to see the same pattern uh, throughout. But the key to this psalm is just the fact that God wants us to put our trust in him. And, and we see that here in verse 1. We're going to see it again later. You know, where's your trust? What situation are you going through right now? Think of it, okay? If you can't think of it, then you should probably go home and not do anything until you figure out what you're going through. Because we're all going through something, all of us here, right? And so what, where's your trust? One of the ways that you can find out if your trust is in the Lord is if you pray. Remember we talked about this a lot? Do you go to the phone or do you go to the throne? You go complaining to other people or do you just take it to God? When you trust in God, you're a prayer warrior. And that's what this psalm is. It's a prayer. And it's so important that we trust. You know, I read today Tony Evans uh, reading a book by him and he said this, when I was a boy growing up, I used to love watching the telephone man. To him, he said he was like Superman because he said he would watch him go up and down the pole he said it was almost like magic. So one day he goes up to the telephone man and he says, how do you do that? And the telephone man says two ways. Number one, I have uh, spikes in my shoes. But number two, with this belt that wraps around the pole, he said, I rest in it. And as I'm going up the pole, I'm, I'm trusting it. I'm resting in it. And I'm able to climb up and climb down. He said, when I first started, I didn't trust it. When I first started, I, I, I kind of felt like I needed to go forward. And he said, and I got a lot of splinters, <laughs> you know, along the way, learning eventually to trust, learning eventually to rest. And, and Tony Evans was saying, that's what we need to do with the Lord as well. I mean, there's that aspect of just, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I, I'm going to rest in you and, and, and your righteousness. Now, it's interesting what he says right here in verse to deliver me in your righteousness. Now we're going to see God's righteousness is named like this 33 times in the Bible, but five times in this chapter alone. And so it's, I don't know how you feel in your life. Maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I am so messed up that I just don't even have a chance for God to really move in a mighty way or answer my prayers. But when you begin to approach a God in his righteousness, not your own, when you trust in him, when you rest in him, when you have that kind of faith, it begins to change everything. And we see this as the emphasis here in this chapter. We see it here in verse 2. Notice again in verse 15, in verse 15, he says, My mouth shall tell of your righteousness. Uh, verse 16, notice this, I will mention of, uh, make mention of your righteousness, of yours only. We see it again in, in verse 19, also your righteousness, O God, is very high, and that's talking about into the heavens. And then even in verse 24, my tongue also shall talk of your righteousness all the day long. Not ours, but his, right? 
And so David prays, verse 2, Psalm 71, Deliver me in your righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be my strong refuge to which I may resort continually. You have given the commandment to save me for you are my rock and my fortress. Now the word resort in verse 3, it's the only time in the whole Bible where you'll find the word resort. And I don't know how you see that word. To me, I looked it up. It talked about a vacation spot, talked about a resting spot. Um, but I, I know it's a place that we go to here for safety. And I was thinking how we resort our life there, how we kind of resort it. What do you guys think? Yeah? And so he's, he's saying, Lord, you're, you're my resort. You're my strong refuge. Deliver me, O God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. For you are my hope, O Lord God. Here it is again. You are my trust from my youth. By you I have been upheld from birth. You are he who took me out of my mother's womb. My praise shall be continually of you. And, and so, you know, David here is old. He looks back when he was young. And maybe, a lot of people believe that maybe now he's pointing to the time where, you know, he went to go take bread and cheese to his brothers and all the soldiers were there. And there was Goliath, nine foot tall. And you guys remember the story? Um, it, it's interesting. You know, David's like, what's this guy doing to find the armies of the living God? I'll kill him. And so, you know, they eventually take him over to Saul, King Saul, and, and Saul looks at David and he said, what are you talking about? You're just a youth. But David said, but you know what? But, I, but the Lord has delivered me from the paw of the bear and, 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 the, and the jaw of the lion, even though I'm just a youth. And, and it's interesting because, you know, we see here David looking back now and he says, ever since I've been a youth, God, you have given me the victory. God, you have blessed my life. I mean, David is an interesting guy. And it's kind of cool when you see some people, man, they have that consistency. You know, he even goes back before the teenage years. By verse 6, again, this is the, the best birthday uh, verse, I think. But you guys can't use it because I always use it, okay? Uh, Psalm 71, 6. By you, I have been upheld from birth you are he who took me out of my mother's womb my praise shall be continually of you you guys ever think about that like i think we take it for granted that you know we live we 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 go to sleep we hibernate you know all night long and then we wake up in the morning and we we take it for granted but god is the one that holds us up every step of the way you know, without him, um, we would fall. We would die. We would, you know, be defeated. And I was reading a story. It's kind of interesting like, about a kite that was flying. And then the kite began to talk to itself. And the kite said, if only I could get rid of this string. If the string wasn't holding me back, then I could fly I could fly above the clouds and I could fly as high as I wanted to. 
if I could get rid of this string, there would be nothing holding me back. I'm limited by this string. And so one day, the kite got its wish, and the string broke. And guess what happened to the kite? The kite came crashing down. You see, what the kite didn't realize was that the same string that, that, that kept it down held it up. And I, and I think for us, you know, the, the thing is, we got to know we're always going to go down to disaster when we cut the string of dependence on God and maybe search of more pleasure or whatever, desire to go, you know, higher in life. Without God, it's not going to happen. We need to trust Him, stay in His will, and remember you know, the same string that seems to hold us down keeps us flying high and he holds us up. He's always done it, even from birth. And so David here in verse 7, he says, I have become as a wonder to many, but you are my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with your praise and, and with your glory all the day. You guys see the pattern there? He, he, he's going into trouble. He prays. God answers. He worships. And then he witnesses. Do you see that? And that, that's what's going on. Do not cast me off in the, in the time of old age. Do not forsake me when my strength fails, for my enemies speak against me. And and those who lie in wait for my life take counsel together, saying, God has forsaken him. Pursue and take him, for there is none to deliver him. You know, oh God, do not be far from me. He's just praying, oh my God, make haste to help me. Let them be confounded and, and consumed. Who are my adversaries of my life? Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor who seek my hurt hurts but i will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more and that's kind of cool because he's old you know and and yet he's not content it reminds me of caleb you guys remember the story in joshua chapter 14 in verse 12 he was 85 years old and he goes up to joshua and he says I want land by the beach. No, I'm just joking. He didn't say that. He said, give me that mountain where there are giants. 85 years old, still wanted more. And here's a man who's saying, I want to praise you more and more. And how does that happen? You go through hard times. You pray. God answers. You worship. And then you witness. That's what we see here. In verse uh, 15, my, my mouth shall tell of your righteousness and your salvation all the day, uh, for I do not know their limits. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of your righteousness, uh, of yours only. You remember when maybe, I don't know how some of you here were, who knows where you guys are now, but... I remember when I was a new believer, you could not shut me up. I mean, I, I would tell everybody about Jesus all the time. Now, I still have that burning sensation in my heart. I mean, you can, anytime I go anywhere, I just, I'm always like scanning. Who can I tell the Lord, you know, I talk to them about the Lord, you know, but, but we, should, we should stay there. 
I mean, if you haven't been witnessing, then something's wrong. Right here, he's just like, Lord, I want to make mention of your righteousness, of yours only. Verse 17, oh God, you have taught me from my youth, and to this day I declare your wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation your power to everyone who is to come. Now, now when, you, when you think about declaring his strength to this generation, what do you think? He's talking about your kids. He's talking about the young people. You know, and, and I'll tell you one thing, you know, it, for a church, we, we have to have old people and we have to have young people and if we don't have young people then we'll die now we have to start reaching out to them we have to invite them in we have to pray for them we have to spend time with them you know we have to pass the baton on to the next generation you know so one thing that i i definitely you know caught from my pastor but I think we need to be more effective in is reaching the youth and reaching the young adults. And so pray. Pray for us as a church, you know, that the Lord will stir them up because when we see this responsibility that David has right here, I think it definitely begins with, with our children and then maybe some of you here, your grandchildren. So let me just ask you a question. What, what young people are you pouring into and as an older person with wisdom who knows the word of god i tell you what grab someone younger grab some young adult man and and see what god does with that you know verse 19 also your righteousness oh god is very high you who have done great things oh god who is like you you have shown me great and severe troubles shall revive me again and bring me up again from the depths of the earth. You shall increase my greatness or influence and comfort me on every side. I mean, I, I love the fact that it's an older person who's still passionate about the Lord. And I see some of you, you older people, um, and it's just so cool to see that you're still here and a midweek service or involved in ministry i look at my pastor and i i think he's 72 or he's 71 and i think he's more passionate now than he's ever been and so i pray that it would grow this is this is an old individual but they have not lost the fire and, and in verse 22 and also with, with the lute i will praise you and your faithfulness oh my god to you I will sing with the harp, O Holy One of Israel. Notice in verse 23, My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing to you and my soul, which you have redeemed. Let me ask you a question, you guys, and I want you to be you know, honest or else you know, God's going to roast you and toast you. Okay. Do you sing with your lips or do you sing with your soul 
You know, Jesus talked about a lot of times people, they draw near with their mouth and they honor him with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. Be so careful that, you know, I love what he says, my lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing to you and my soul, you know, which you have redeemed. You know, Ephesians 5.19, it says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You know, uh, a lot of times people see worship as a, a performance, and if it's not like right on, I can't worship. When in all reality, worship has to do with you and those words that you're singing to God. You make melody, not in your ears. You make melodies in your hearts. And I tell you what, when you begin to do that, life changes. It it really does. You know, because when it comes to this whole thing that we see of this psalmist going through trouble and then he really, really, really gets on his knees and prays and fasts and seeks the Lord with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then God works and then it's evident. And then you worship and then you witness. That's what this psalm is all about. And that's what we should be doing. Verse 24, my, my tongue also shall talk of your righteousness all the day long. And then your co-worker says, shut up. You know, be quiet. You always talk about Jesus all the time. I'm sorry. He's just inside of me. He overflows. I can't help it because I love him so much. I love my salvation. I love my Savior. For, for they are confounded for they are brought to shame who seek my hurt. Let me tell you something. David wasn't a perfect man, but he was sincere. He was scriptural and he was sent. And those who came against him, people like Saul or Absalom or Adonijah, that's what happened to them. He prayed (laughs) And God answered. And so for us, in looking at this whole thing, you know, it's important for us to make sure that, that we establish this relationship with the Lord. You know, David knew the Lord, you know, and for us, we got to make sure that, that we know the Lord as well. You know, one of the things, real quick, you guys, I know we're a little over, but I'm just going to share with you one last verse. Uh, we remember we read in Psalm 69, in verse 28, we, we read about the book of, of life. The book of life. It's so important that your name is in the book of life. And I don't know all of you guys here, but um, you know, I want you to know that God has invited you to his you know, wedding. He's invited you to his feast. He's invited you to his celebration. He's invited you to his kingdom. And so my question is, have you RSVP'd? Have you responded? You know, I, I may close with this story as the musicians come forward. It's a story about Ruthanna Metzger. And she was a professional singer, and she tells a true story uh, about this whole thing. Several years ago, she was asked to sing at the wedding of a very wealthy man. 
And according to the invitation, the reception would be held on the top two floors of Seattle's Columbia Tower. It's the northwest uh, tallest skyscraper at the time. And so she and her husband, Roy, they were excited about uh, going to the wedding, and she was so excited about being able to sing at this glorious event. And so at the reception, uh, waiters in tuxedos, they offered uh, luscious hors d'oeuvres and, and these exotic beverages, and the bride and groom uh, approached. Uh, they had this glass staircase that was uh, also brass that led to the top floor, and you know, someone, uh, I guess, ceremoniously cut the ribbon and it was draped across the bottom of the stairs and then they announced the wedding feast was about to begin. And so the bride and the groom, they ascended the stairs, followed by all their guests. And at the top of the stairs, there was a, uh, what's it called, a maitre d', maitre d', with a bound book and he greeted the guests outside the doors. And he would ask each one, may I have your name, please? And so... When she got there, she said, I am Ruth Anna Metzger, and this is my husband, Roy. And, and he searched uh, the M's, but um, he said, I'm not finding it. Would you spell your name, please? And so she spelled her name slowly, and then after searching the book, the maitre d' looked and said, I'm sorry, but your name, your name is not here. And so she said, there must be some mistake. I'm, I'm the singer. <laughs> I, I sang for the wedding. Uh, and the gentleman answered, well, it doesn't matter who you are or what you did. Without your name in the book, you cannot attend our banquet. And so he motioned to the waiter, and he said, show these people to the service elevator. And so the, the Metzgers followed the waiter past the beautifully decorated tables and uh, the shrimp and the smoked salmon and the magnificent carved ice sculptures and it was all adjacent to the banquet area where an orchestra was performing and the musicians were dressed in these dazzling white tuxedos and the waiter led them uh, to the service elevator, ushered them in and pushed a G for the parking garage. <laughs> and then they, they, they came down, they got in their car, they, were dro they drove away several miles and then uh, they were silent and then, and then Roy reached over and he put his hand on his wife's arm and he said, sweetheart, what happened? And she said, well, when the invitation arrived, I, I was busy. And she said, I never bothered to RSVP. But, but, but she said, but I figured I, I'm the singer. Surely I would go to the reception. But Ruthanna then started to weep. And, and she realized not only because she had missed the most lavish banquet she'd ever been invited to, but also at that point, in, in her life God began to work in her life and, and she said because um, this is what it will be like for people when they stand before Christ and their names are not found in the Lamb's book of life so you want to make sure your name's there because all the things we're talking about being able to pray and worship and witness, it all starts with a relationship with Christ because right there it says that we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so I pray, you guys, we will truly have RSVP and say, yes, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need you as my Savior. Come into my life and be the Lord of my life.